Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at a subject, really it's kind of hard, because it's the word rationalize, the rationalization. And sometimes it sounds good, sometimes it sounds bad. When you think of rationalization, you can say, well, rationalization is like, I'm going to rationalize something, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to look at this. But a lot of times when we think about rationalization, we say, well, I know that's wrong, but... I can, you know, and so we rationalize certain things. And so I, I put this little deal up here. Rationalization has been the downfall of many throughout the history of mankind because instead of us understanding and doing, we, we make excuses, we rationalize, and we'll see all those. So let, let's think about some things. Uh, it's easy to rationalize. You know, it's the holidays, so I can eat another piece of pie. Or it's Christmas, and I know we don't really have the money, but the kids, they just got to have presents. And so we just, even if we have to go borrow money, we've got to go ahead and do this. Or I'm going to watch all the football games I want to, regardless of what anybody else wants to do. Uh, we, we rationalize so many different things, especially we rationalize when we think about things that are right and wrong. Let me, let me throw some things out that we rationalize. We say, I'm overweight. Well, I'm overweight because my mother made me eat a lot when I was a child. And, and these habits, they're just built into my life, and that's why I'm overweight. Well, I have to study... But but I, 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 it's just too much. They gave me too, way too much homework, way too much to do. I know I'll probably get it done later on tonight, but really, it's, it's too much to do anyway. Well, income tax, well, I know that that may not be the right thing, but everybody, look, everybody cheats on their income tax. I mean, it's just not right. And the government takes way too much money anyway, and so it's okay if I do that. Or I, I see it, I want it. These people, they have plenty. They're rich. They have plenty. If I want to steal something or get something, it, it, you know, it, it's okay because they have way more than they could use. Rationalization. We shift the blame. We look at things. We're irresponsible. We try to figure out uh, how we sin and then how it's okay to sin or why we sinned and how it works. So I want us to think about that today because every one of us, including me, we rationalize a lot. We'll say, well... Well, I, I did that once, and you know, man, maybe it's okay to do it again. Or, well, I can't help it anyway. It's just the way I am. I mean, that's what we think. So I want to look at some things this morning. We'll go through it fairly quickly. We, we're going to look at number one and say we don't have an excuse for sin. We, we really don't. Second is we see rationalization in the Bible, and there are four. I'm, I'm not saying there's only four causes of rationalization. I'm just saying we're going to look at four different places in the Bible where we see people rationalize, and we'll say, okay, what did they do? And we see we do the same thing. And then we're going to talk about how do we deal with it in our lives. So let's start with this. And the idea is we don't have an excuse for sin. We don't. You know, we can rationalize and say, well, you know, I'm a fallen human being. Well, you know, Satan tempted me. Well, I was in the wrong place. And people did this. And if they hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. You know, we can rationalize all we want to. But we really don't have an excuse for sin. We, We can't say I couldn't help it. And we can't say it isn't bad anyway. So let's think about it. We can't say, I couldn't help it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 13, okay? When we say we sin, we say, I just couldn't help it. The pull was too great. I was in the wrong place, and I you know I shouldn't have, but I just couldn't help it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. Like all temptations, everybody deals with them. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. He will not allow a temptation to come that's more than you can handle, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. We can't say, I couldn't help it. There wasn't anything I could do. God says... I will find a way. There is always a way out. When we think of the life of Joseph and uh, Potiphar's wife was coming after him, what did he do? What did Joseph do? He ran. He didn't say, I, I couldn't really help it. You know, 
I mean, she's the boss's wife, and whatever she says, you know, I should probably do. And I mean, no, you can't do that. What did Joseph do? He left. There is a way out. Sometimes we sin and we say, oh, I couldn't help it. Well, it came on, and I wasn't meaning to watch something like that, but it came on TV, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really couldn't help it. The truth is, we can. We, there's no temptation that is coming, coming to us that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. So the very first thing we've got to realize is when we sin, it's not that we couldn't help it, okay? All right? The second thing is, is people say, well, it's, it's, it's not that bad. Everybody does it. You know, and if you compare yourself, if you look at other people and you say, well, I'm not near as bad as some of these people, and everybody else does this, and if everybody does it, it's okay. The truth is this, there are certain things that are right and wrong, and it doesn't matter who does them. If it's something wrong, it doesn't matter. Whoever it is, that doesn't mean we have the right to do it. We have to realize there are things right and wrong, and if everybody is doing something wrong, that doesn't mean we do something wrong. In our whole culture, you just watch the, the, the churches where they're moving away from the Bible and the culture will say one thing and the church will just go right along with it because, well, everybody's doing that now and it's accepted now. And I, You can't do that. You've either got to say what's right and what's wrong, and we have to realize that we don't have an excuse. We don't have an excuse. So now the second thing I want you to do is I want to see, and we we'll have to go through this fairly quickly, I want us to see rationalization in the Bible. I want us to see four different times that people rationalize. And when we see this, we're going to see what they did, what it is. So go ahead and turn in your Bible. Just flip all the way to the very front of the Bible to Genesis chapter 3. You already know in Genesis chapter 3, that's the fall. Genesis chapter 1 is creation. Genesis chapter 2 is sort of details of creation. And then in chapter 3, we see the fall of mankind, where they sin and and they fail, and then God comes to them. And we want to see rationalization. So Genesis chapter 3, we'll start about verse 8, and we'll go through verse 13, and I want you to see it. And we'll go fairly quickly because I want you to see all these different stories. And the first thing, first what I call the first cause of rationalization is it's somebody else's fault. I mean, when I sin, when I mess up, you know why? It's because of you. It's your fault. It's somebody else's fault. I, well, if I hadn't been there, if that person hadn't done this, or if that hadn't happened there, or if they hadn't put me in that situation, or if my boss didn't tell me, it, it's always somebody else's fault. And so one of the first ways we rationalize is we say it's somebody else's fault. Well, we know that God has put uh, the man and the woman, Adam and, and the woman, in the garden, and he's told them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He can eat from everything else. Satan came, tempted Eve. She ate. She gave it right to him. He ate. And then, as you notice in verse 8, it says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So the Lord's coming. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why did they hide themselves? Why? Because they, Huh? They're ashamed. They've done wrong. Sin always brings shame and separation. And they've sep- they're separated from each other, really. They don't know it yet, but we're going to see it here in just a second, how they're separated from each other, and they're separated from God, and so they went to hide. And so God comes, and he says, where are you? And they say, I heard the sound, and that God said, have you eaten from the tree? Verse 11, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, remember we say the first cause of rationalization is somebody else's fault, so look what he says in verse 12. He's going to blame God and the woman. Notice what he says. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Now who's at fault there? Says Adam. 
God and the woman. But God, he says, the woman you gave me. So first thing is he says, God, you gave me a defective woman, right? You gave me somebody that doesn't work. I mean, so it's not my fault that I sinned. It's really God's fault because he gave me that woman. And so it's God's fault and it's the woman's fault because you gave me a woman that caused me to mess up. So that's what, that, that's, that's what happens. We say it's somebody else's fault. It's like you do something wrong and you go, well, well I couldn't really help it because, I mean, that, they, they did that and, that and that's why I did that because they, you know, they made me do that. I mean, really. That's rationalization. Well, look what happened. Look what the woman says. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And what did she do? She didn't say, I blew it. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Say, the woman, the serpent caused me to sin. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And so the first people that sin in the whole Bible say that it's not their fault that they sinned. How many times in your mind, in our minds, have we said, I messed up, but it's not really my fault because somebody else caused me to do this. Somebody else made this happen. Somebody else put me in this situation where I did this. So Adam could say, God, you gave me a bad woman, and the bad woman put me in a bad situation. The bad woman says, well, the serpent is the one that caused me to mess up. So we rationalize and be careful in our own lives. We rationalize when we do wrong that it's somebody else's fault. Like today, uh, people are victims. See, the culture, all the, the, you know, the world is bad and people are bad and, you know, I'm in a bad neighborhood or I grew up this. I grew up without a mom and a dad. It's not my fault because of this is this. And, the, you know, I steal because, I mean, I had no other way and I didn't have enough money when I was growing up. You know, it's just over and over and over that we rationalize because it's somebody else's fault. Okay, you got that one? Let's look at this next one and go to Exodus. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus 32. Exodus 32, just flip over Genesis, Exodus 32, and I want you to see this one. And this one, I, I, I hate to say this one, but sometimes I laugh at this one, and I'll show you why in just a minute. In Exodus 32, and the second cause of rationalization is peer pressure. We, we say, well, everybody else, and these people did this, and so, and, and so look at chapter 32, verse 1. Now, when the people saw Moses has gone up on the mountain to get the law, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled around Aaron. Now, here's Aaron. This is Moses' brother. In fact, Moses' older brother. He's three years older. And he came and said, Come, make us a God who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. We don't know what happened to him. Make us a God. Now, they're coming to Aaron, and these are all the people. And where's Moses? He's, he's gone. He's up with God in the mountain. And Aaron is going, well, these people are kind of what? They're pressuring me. They're pressuring me. And so he's he not sure what he's going to do. And this is, this is the whole idea of peer pressure. You be our leader. You take us back. We don't know what happened to Moses. So Aaron says, everybody take off your gold earrings and all that stuff that you got. Where did they, by the way, where, if they were slaves, where did they get all the gold? Do, do what? Where did they get all the gold? If they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and they came out of Egypt as slaves, where do they have the gold earrings, the gold ring? Where do they have all the gold? Uh, Egyptians, as they left, they asked the Egyptians for gold, and the Egyptians took off everything and said, please take it and get out of here. That's exactly what They're rich now. They were slaves, but they have gold. And so they took some of this gold, and what did they do? They made a golden calf out of it. And it, you know, got it, and then uh, the people are beginning to worship it and all this stuff. And so what happens when Moses comes down? Because God says, you better go back. They've messed up. 
Look at verse 21. When Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you brought such a great sin upon them? He said, what in the world are you, Aaron, you're, you're, the, you're the first high priest of the whole nation. You're the main man. I'm up there getting stuff from God. You're down here and you made a false god, a big cow for them to worship. What in the world are you doing? And so look what he says in verse 21, 22. He says, what did this? And Aaron says, don't let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself that they're prone to evil. The people are bad and they've, they've you know, the pressure. They've, they've told me what to do. And then I'm having, to, I mean, I, I just think that was, I just had to do what they wanted me to do. And I love the next verse. Uh, uh, verse 24, not the next word, the verse 24. I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him tear it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Do you understand what he just said? He said, I took all this gold, and I threw it in the fire, and a golden calf popped out. You can see Moses going, what are you thinking? What, what has gotten into you? I mean, you think a golden calf is going to pop out of a fire? But who made that golden calf? Who do you think made it? Aaron made it. Why did he make it? Because the people said, you're going to be the leader. You're going to take us back. Make a thing. And the pressure, the pressure of the people. Listen, their people do the same thing now. Have anybody in this room ever sinned because you were with people and they say, well, do this. Everybody's, everybody's going to smoke this. Come on. You can do it. Everybody's going to drink. Everybody's going to go do this. Everybody's doing this. You don't want to be left out. The pressure was there from the people around you to do something. And you, you, deep down you said, well, I don't, that's not right, but, but everybody else is doing it. And it's the pressure of the people. Wow. Okay, we, we got another one. We got another one. Okay, so that one. The third one, that, that pressure from the people. Here's the third one. The third cause of sin of rationalization is pride. And I want you to turn to Second Chronicles. Just keep going. Exodus, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and Second Chronicles chapter twenty six. And there's a king came Uzziah. And let me just tell you about this king. He, uh, whoops, let me go back. He was a great king. Uzziah was a great king. He did all kind of things. He became king when he was 16 years old. He reigned for 52 years. The Bible says he did right in the sight of the Lord. And I mean, he did all kind of things. He defeated Philistines. He did everything. He got everybody ready for battle. He did so many good things. But watch. Look at verse 16. But when he, that's Uzziah, became strong, his heart was so what? What was it? Anybody got there? Who's turned there? Anybody? His heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Let me tell you how bad that is. And I've got, I'm going to look at the time. But in the temple... You could, if you were a regular person, you could come to the edge of the temple there and the priest would meet you and you would take a sacrifice and the priest would kill, you'd put your hands on it, the priest would kill it and take it over to the altar and burn it there. No, regular people didn't go past that. If you went past that, there was a big place to wash. If you went past that, there was the tabernacle or the temple. And inside the temple, there was a front room 
Only priests could go in that room. And if you walked into that room, there was a lampstand over here, there were bread over here, and there was an altar of incense that burned all the time. And a particular priest that was chosen by Lot every day went into that room and burned incense. Uzziah the king went past the front gate, past the altar, past the thing, went into the front room, and he began to burn incense on that altar. Not supposed to. Not supposed to. It said he is pride. He acted corruptly. Corruptly. And, and uh, so what happened to him? It says, then Azariah the priest entered after him with 80 priests of the Lord. It wasn't just one person. 80 priests said, get it. He's went in the room. Go get him. And they all went in. I mean, listen, the room, I, uh, the room is not much bigger than if you go over to there, to there, go to the end of the row, back to here. That's how big the room was. Maybe it wasn't even that big. And 80 people go in there after him. They're 80 priests. And they go after him. Why are they going after him? Because he's done something he's not supposed to do. It, but it was pride. You know, uh, pride is, is, is uh, I remember Swindoll one time saying is, uh, don't believe your own stuff. In other words, when people say, you did really good, don't go, yeah, I know. No, listen, it's the grace of God. Some of you sometimes say, that was good. And I go, yeah, grace of God. It is so good. The Bible is so good. And Prof. Hendricks used to say that praise should be treated like perfume. It smells great, but don't swallow it. Okay? Don't swallow it. But here he is. He's a great king. And he says, because I'm a great king, I can, I can go right in there and burn that incense. Well, the priests went after him, 80 priests went after him, and I want you to look at verse 19. When they told him, you're not to do that, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense, verse 19, but Uzziah with a censer in his hand for burning incense was what? What does it say? Anybody reading it? Or anybody? He was enraged. Who are you to come in here and tell me I can't do this? And while he was enraged with the priests, what happened to him? Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord. Listen, he went in there and he was enraged. He went to the temple to burn incense. He has pride. He says he basically can do what he wants to. He was enraged and he sinned. And if somebody had said, do you think it's wrong to go burn incense in there? He would say, well, yeah, the only priest could do that. But I'm so great, I can do that. And see, sometimes we, we sin because we say, I can do what I want to do. I deserve it. Uh, I've had people say to me, uh, you know, I, I deserve to be happy no matter what the Bible says. I deserve to be happy even if it means going contrary to the Bible. I've had people sit in my office and tell me that. I know what the Bible says, but I deserve to be happy. That's pride. And we sin sometimes that way. Uh, I told you I had that friend that was a pastor, and he would drive up to the church, and there was a, a basically a handicapped park, and he'd pull in the handicapped parking every time to go in. And one time I was with him, and I said, you know, this handicapped park, and he said, I'm the, I'm the pastor, I can park anywhere I want to. And I went, I don't think so. I mean, there's a pride issue that causes us to do things wrong. So what have we seen? We've seen, we say it's somebody else's fault. We talk about peer pressure. Peer pressure. We do the pride aspect. But there's one more, and there's, that's fear. Sometimes we sin because we're afraid. I want you to turn to John 19. Just flip over there. And this is a famous passage. You all know it. 
In fact, every one of these passages, I think you probably know. Most of you, maybe you didn't know the Uzziah one. But in John chapter 19, I want you to see what happens. This, this last one is dealing with fear. And here's Pontius Pilate. He's got Jesus there. He, uh, they bring Jesus to him. He checks Jesus out two different times and basically says, I don't find any fault with him. So he stands out in front of the crowd and says, I don't find any fault with him. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to scourge him and let him go. And I want to say, well, if you didn't find any fault with him, why are you going to scourge him? But that's what he's going to do. And the people begin to shout and scream and say things. And uh, verse 12 of John 19 says, as a result of this, Pilate made every effort to release him. But the Jews kept crying out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of who? Of Caesar. Whoever makes himself to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus and sat down with him and talked with him even more. And what are they doing? I mean, they're, they're saying, if you, if you do this, you, you know, you're no friend to Caesar. He was afraid. He knew, he knew what was right. If you said to Pilate, should you let this man go? He should have said, of course I got to let this man go. He's done nothing wrong. But the people were out there saying, if you don't let him go, if you do let him go, you're no friend of Caesar. Caesar's going to take your position away, and we're going to make trouble for you. So he's willing to do wrong because he's afraid of what's going to happen. He's willing to do wrong. What if you're in your office, and a boss comes in and says, I want you to put this down on those expense sheets, and that's not right. And you say, uh... Well, that's not right, but put it down. But You want this job, don't you? You want to do wrong because you're afraid you're going to lose your job? It can happen to you. It can happen to you. We've got to be willing to say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do wrong, and if I lose my job, I just got to trust God. So we have seen four different things. We've seen that when sometimes... How do we rationalize? We blame everybody else. And how do we do it? The peer pressure is there. Sometimes it's pride. You think, I'm just above it. I can do what I want to do. I I deserve to be happy regardless. And then sometimes it's just a fear that you're going to lose. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose something uh, because the pressure is there. And and somebody, you know, you got to do wrong to keep, keep something. So how do we deal with all this? How do we deal with this? Well, first, first of all, number one, just realize there are no excuses. I mean, we can't say... Uh, I couldn't help it. We can't say, well, you, you should have been in, you, you know, nobody would have made it in that situation. Uh, listen, uh, what, if, what if you were Joseph and you were in that situation? Most, many of us would say, well, how anybody going to stand that? You know, Joseph did. Uh, what, if you're, what if you're 12 years old, maybe 14, and they tell you everybody's got to bow down to this statue right there? And you say, well, um, I'm not going to buy down to a statue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it, do it, man, do it. It's no big deal. Nobody will ever really know. What would you do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down. They said, if I die, I die. Here I think of, uh, you know, Esther going in to see the king. And everybody said, well, you can't go and see the king unless he calls you because he'll kill you. And she said, i got to go. got to trust God. So we, there's no excuse for sinning. We just have to realize that there's nothing that's going to come into our life that's going to be there that we cannot, in God's power, find a way of escape. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't escape a lot. <laughs> you? I mean, it happens, and we go, well, I blew it again. Well, 
We can't say, I couldn't help it. We can. The second thing is, is understand the causes. I mean, the causes is we, 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 we want to blame somebody else when we sin. We want, we realize that the pressure is there that everybody else is doing it, so why not? And there's this idea that I deserve to be happy, I deserve to do what I want to do, I, I, you know, I have the right to do what I want to do, even though I know that that's actually wrong. And, and uh, you know, and then the whole idea of I don't want to lose my job. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, nobody will ever find out. I mean, who? Just all of those things are there. So how, how do we deal with this? Well, we we live by the Word of God. We just have to. And now, if we sin, if we fall, we have to deal with it. We have to confess it. If we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. I love the verse. He's faithful to forgive you of the sins that you do, that the ones that you're confessing, but he also cleanses you from any unrighteousness, and that's why confession of sin is powerful in the Christian life because it puts us back in the fellowship. But we've got to live by the Word. It is easy when we're fallen, when we're going to sin, when we want to sin, it's easy to blame somebody else. It's easy to think we're above it. It's easy to, to let the pressure of people do that. It's easy even to have fear and say, well, I just... You know, I know this is wrong, but, you know, I've, I've got to keep my job, or I've got to do this. Uh, I remember uh, talking to a coach one time, talking to a player one time, and he, he said that he was on the sideline, and his coach came up and told him, he said, if, they're, if their running back breaks for a touchdown, you jump out and tackle him. And he said, Coach, I don't think that's right. He said, we can't let him score a touchdown. Because he figured he'd jump out and tackle him. It'd be a big penalty and would probably not give him a touchdown. I mean, who knows what they would do? So he said, I'm not, what, what, what would you do? Would you say, well, the coach told me to do it. Well, you think that's right or wrong? So when you think about those kind of things, um, I mean, I've known, when I, I coached a long time in high school, and I, we played a team one year when I was coaching at Eastside High School that, their coach came over to me before the game because we had a quarterback that ended up, he, he signed up, you know, college scholarship. We had a running back that signed with Mississippi State, so he, they were pretty good. And I, their coach came to me before the game, and he said, we're going to put those two guys out today. I said, no, you're not. He said, yeah, yeah, we are. They were planning. They tried. They tried a bunch of times to hurt them on purpose, like get them down and somebody spear them and all that back in those days. But they didn't. But he knew that was wrong. Live by the word.